Recording straight out of Five Scotland, you're listening to Films and Swearing, a movie podcast with your hosts Stuart Sullen and the Magic Mike Christie. Yo. Hello and welcome to episode 233 of the Films and Swearing movie podcast. I am your host Stuart Sullen and joining me, as per usual, Magic Mike Christie. Mm-hmm. So this evening we are going to be tackling, well, we're back in our summer season, tackling yeah, the 80s. At, at the end of summer. Yes, at the end of summer. That's how shit goes. It is 1981, and tonight we'll be tackling The Cannonball Run and The Howling. Yep. So, let's start this off. Let's warm up, per se, eh, with a wee film quiz. Let's see. We better do it whilst there's still daylight. Yeah, I was going to say, it's, it's looking a little bit darker yeah. than the normal. Normal at this time of the night, like, I get finished at half ten, quite late in the night, and it's like this. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's it. It's getting close, as you said, end of summer. Shit's changing back. Mm, so finally got my nights back for myself. Let's have a wee look. Um, they are TV shows. That, that's the thing with these TV and film quiz mm. cards. Alright, let's see. Some that's the thing, these are softball questions, but uh, Point Break and The Heart Locker are both films by which director? Uh Catherine Bigelow. Ding ding. The other one was uh, who wrote the novel that the film The Shining's based on? Uh, we, that's too easy. And we talked about that last week. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> yeah, well actually the bottom of the pile, eh? Aye. What we do first person to get three right? Yeah. Who provided the voice for Darth Vader in the original Star Wars trilogy? James Earl Jones. Ding ding. That comes in quite handy for next week's episode. Yeah. <laughs> okay, in Pulp Fiction. What was the name of the fictional TV show that Mia Wallace that that she starred in? Oh, oh fuck! Fox Force Five. Ding ding. Another one was uh, where is the film Das Boot set on a submarine? All right, uh, I would have said Germany. <laughs> yeah, I just read that wrong. That's all. Uh, there you go. His tattoo, don't worry. Mm. <laughs> Why is he bleeding? Which real life Hollywood couple starred in the 2002 live action film Scooby Doo? Oh, um, um, Freddie Prince Jr. and Sarah Michelle Gellar. Motherfucker, how did you get that one? I've, I've seen the film maybe once or twice, and it's one of these things you watch it, and I can swear I'm. I'm watching a fucking porn parody of Scooby Doo. Like, this is a kids' film, but this is strangely sexualized. Have you seen like have you seen any stuff on the Toy Story 4 porn parody? No. It's called You've Got a Friend in Me. Oh of course it is. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, let's see. Man, these are soft as shit, man. Um What kind of fish is Nemo in Finding Nemo? Goldfish? <gasps> a clownfish. 
I've never seen Finding um, I've never seen Finding Nemo. So fucking glad I went for that one because the other one was. Is like like, anim- like animation is like one of my fucking Achilles heels. Exactly. No kids. So why why is there a need to be watching animated films? I mean, if it's early Disney like Robin Hood, exactly. Or, um, Basil the Great Mouse Detective. I'm the guy. <laughs> but yeah, the, the other one was a uh, which film Mark Tarantino's directorial debut yeah I was not giving him that question yeah <laughs> in the film Groundhog Day mm-hmm. which song plays on the radio every morning fuck uh, I, I want to say the word magic moments but I don't think that's right why the what film has it like it's wrong, isn't it? Yeah, it's yeah. Wrong. But no, I reckon. Uh, I Got You Babe by Sonny and Cher. The next question was, what was the name of the clown in It? Oh, for fuck's sake. Yeah. Right, so that is two, two all. Piece. So, let's see. What movie features the famous line, I'll have what she's having? I can picture it. Is it when Harry met Sally? It is. Do I know what got it for me? Remember when WWE were doing on WrestleMania? And yeah, and it was me young mm-hmm. at the end of the video after, was it? I can't remember if we'd done the fake thing, but... Yeah. Yeah. Aye. Kurt Angle was at the fucking... Yeah. That's what it was. It was Kurt Angle and somebody else, and Kurt Angle was like... Like... As she was making the noises, he was pretending he had somebody in the ankle lot shouting tap. <laughs> well, why am I looking at another one of these? So, oh, if you get this next one right, that's it. You win. Because if I got that one right, that would have been... Wait. No, if I get this, this one right. Yeah, if you get this one right. All right well, so the next person to get one right bit. wins. Because we're both sitting at two apiece. So first one to three wins. No, no, I got three because I got... When Harry Met Sally. Fox Force 5. Fox Force 5. Aye, so you've won. Yeah. Yeah. We we need to find a better way to play this fucking game. Well, that's it. It's over. (laughs) Yeah. That was a TV show one anyway. So, because that was it. It was uh, that and then the alternative to When Harry Met Sally was uh, which two actors wrote Goodwill Hunting. So that's fucking easy as well. Yeah. So, um... For the reviews, I'm going alphabetical, so I'm going to let you start off with a cannonball run. Cool. Right. Notes, notes, notes. Who fucking directed Cannonball Run? I'm trying to think of um, So Cannonball Run is directed by is it Hal Needham, or Needham, right. however you want to pronounce it. Mm-hmm. Um, and it stars Burt Reynolds as J.J. McClure, Dom DeLuise as Victor Prisman, and brackets Captain Chaos. Oh, yes. Uh, Roger Moore as Seymour, Dean Martin as Jamie Blake, Sammy Davis Jr. as Fenderbomb, Farrah Fawcett as Pamela, Jack Elam as Dr. Nicholas Van Helsing, <laughs> and Jackie Chan as Subaru Driver. <laughs> Didn't even have a name. Yeah. 
So, Mike, what is Cannonball Run about? It is about a group of drivers taking part in an illegal cross-country race across America. Fair enough. Yeah. Now, I believe this is not your first time. This, if we had done the review back when we were supposed to, it would have been my first time watching it. Yes. All so right. this would have been my second time. Because mm. I've seen the second one many times. I'd, I'd never ever seen the first one. I'd always seen the second one. And the second That's one strange. appealed to me more younger as a kid. Right. What was the appeal in the second one? I don't know, I found it really hilarious, and plus I had Jackie Chan in it, and I was yeah. at that age where I was like watching like First Strike and Rumble mm-hmm. in the Bronx and stuff like that. Yeah. To be fair enough, he didn't really have a lot of showcase fights, but you know. Aye, because that's a, a fucking huge ensemble cast, so yeah. they'd all be fighting for screen time. Yeah. Um. So, what did you think of the film? Um. I didn't mind it. It was alright. Um, obviously... I'm probably going to check out the sequel and see if it still holds up as... Aye. I mean, I was looking at it on IMDb and I got I got a horrible like, rating and stuff. So I'm hoping that it redeems itself for me. Yeah. So I'm probably going to watch it in the next couple of weeks. But this one was all right, though. It was, it was fun. You know, it was like early 80s. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean... A, a who's who, if I can, you know, fucking ensemble cast and stuff. Exactly. A very um, catchy, like, theme song. Right. It's like, I've, I'm trying to think, I'm, I'll need to also I'll try and get it up, like, after the fucking, after the thing, but it was, like, quite like a... Much akin to, like, Smokey and the Bandit or something. Ah, yeah, aye, kind of. Um, but, I mean, like, it was early 80s, it was fucking Burt Reynolds, it was like a load of the usual fucking, like, stunts, but like fucking, like, it's just super, like, cars slash, flying about, yeah, cars flying about, like, it's got like a, like, I'm trying to remember, uh, like, Death Race 2000, uh, mm-hmm. and it's kind of got like a wee bit of a feel like that to it as well, but I mean, like, everybody's just want to take part in this, in this yeah. race, and everybody's trying to get the edge, air winning, Aye. and that. Because it seems to be that, like, a, a thing, like a genre itself, where there is this, it is like wacky races where people yeah, sort of like... Yeah, that's exactly what it's like. It's, it's like a, a live-action wacky races. Mm-hmm. With, um, I mean, how PC is the film? Um, it's... At an age where it could get away with quite a lot, back in the day. I mean, the film rated PG, PG and also in here, and like, like... You can see Farrah Fawcett's nipples clean through her top. Yes, I remember. I remember this film now. And it's got um, got Adrian Barbeau in it as well as one of the racers. And she... Does she not zip down her fucking top to get away? Yeah, she uses her talents to get out of speeding tickets and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. You know, pretty much what she does. It seemed to have been in a a universe where bras didn't exist. Yeah, pretty much. And I mean, like... Any chance you can go, like, fucking Farrah Fawcett, like, didn't have a bra on at all. Mm-hmm. You know? I mean, as a kid, it would probably appeal to you. Totally. Even, still as an adult. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, Burt Reynolds was pretty good. Mm-hmm. I think, like, I think his counterpart, Dom DeLuise, was, like, a bit more funnier. Yes. Like, his role as, like, Captain Chaos was, kind of reminded me, uh, um, 
fucking Mr. America for WWE, like when it was maybe when Hulk Hogan got fired and he came back as Mr. America. Yeah. Kind of like that. It was like a luchador sort of thing. Mm-hmm. How he changes from Captain Chaos to Captain USA, which is a cheap knockoff of Captain America. And all that. <laughs> yeah. Aye. And I'm trying to think. I'm um, assuming you've seen this. Yes. Before. I had gotten. I remember watching it vaguely as a kid. And then I'd gotten a copy of it free with the sun when they used to give away like a, oh, a DVD and a cardboard they'd, sleeve. Yeah. Aye. And I mind just going to like Dunkeld one summer and watching that and just remembering what a fucking riot the film was. Yeah. Um. And I mean, what, what was the running time on this one? Like 90 minutes, 95 minutes or something like that. Didn't so need to be any nah, longer. Nah. Mm-hmm. And uh, that's it. What I'm trying to think. What was the story behind uh, Burt Reynolds' character? Is there an ulterior, an ulterior motive for him doing the race? Well, like at the start of the film, when you see him, he's like working in a garage, and he's like he's obviously been preparing for a carnival. I don't think he's won can. I don't think it's ever touched or even talked upon that he's never won the carnival, but he always wants to. And like you see him in the fucking garage, and he's like building all these fast cars it's just, it's just no quite meeting the mark and I think he tries to like take it to like the CBD and speed boats and stuff like that yeah so obviously he's fucking up against it and he's trying like there's a bit in the form where you see him in this souped up car and it, it spins out mm-hmm. and, and it's like kind of down the luck and it's no till there's like a something that happens maybe 15, 20 minutes into the film and they're in the back of an ambulance mm-hmm. and they ask the ambulance like how long is it to the nearest hospital how long will it take and it's like oh it'll only take us so and so because when you put the fit down on this as it goes and they're like mmm <laughs> and then advantage yeah so then they basically race the cannibal run in a fucking ambulance aye and they've got like the EMT crew on and stuff and they have to hire a doctor <laughs> and, uh, and they bring along uh, Dr. Uh, Nicholas Van Helsing played by Jack Elam who is a fucking riot yeah an absolute riot like he's like he's cross-eyed and all you know and he's got like he looks very much like a wee bit like like Jaws for the Bond film no the, no the shark no the shark <laughs> conversation before but he looks very much like Richard Keeler a wee bit aye and like He's just, he's always slurring his words, mm-hmm. you know, and he's always talking about giving people injections and stuff, <laughs> and you see him, like, injecting his cell and stuff like mm-hmm. that, and he's, he's pretty funny, isn't it? No. Um, now, what I do faintly remember is Jackie Chan does get to uh, throw a couple kicks. Yeah, there is a wee, like, fight scene nearer towards, like, the end of the film and stuff, where he, there's, like, a mass brawl with, like, all these people, and you know, and the... I can't remember the name of his fucking counterpart as well. It's like Michael... Hoy? H-U-I. Yes, that's what it is. Um, But, like, that's what their class is in the film. That's that's what their film titles are, the Subaru Driver 1 and 2. Yeah. Because when when they get introduced, they're on, like, some sort of Chinese game show and they're announced as Jackie Chan and Michael Hugh. Yeah. And I was like, why not just call them that? No, you've said their names on film. Mm -hmm. And, like, obviously, like, their like their car reminds you of fucking Kitfe Night Rider and mm-hmm. that's all souped up and that. Aye. And there's a a really like really funny bit in the film where like Jack is watching like blue movies on the fucking like instead of driving <laughs> and he always like hits a fucking truck. 
<laughs> and like Michael Hoy like fucking goes absolutely mental him. but he mm. does you see him like throwing a few kicks like he goes to go to go away to go and win the race but then Jack is like nah goes back and just starts batting folk aye but I think you see him more in the second one I think he's I think he's got a mere hands on approach and it's for what I remember and anyway, mm-hmm. I need to obviously go back and check it Um. Roger Moore's got an interest in... Oh, It's yes. a very... Knock-off Bond? Yeah. Bond-esque character? Yes. Uh, his name's Seymour. And, mm. like, you start the film, like, when you see his scene, he's sitting with a woman, and there's, like, a... modified Bond tune playing. Yeah. And he's sitting at dinner with his mum, and, uh, and um, like, he pulls his wee fucking gun out and stuff. And he, like, they talk about, like, Bond-esque adventures and stuff. Aye. So it's very fucking, it's very self-aware and that. Yeah. And, like, his cars are souped up ready to go. And, like, and, like every scene he's in, there's always that wee bond theme playing. Couldn't get away with that nowadays. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, there's a... Like, during the, during the race, he's, like, driving with this woman in the car the whole time. Mm-hmm. And there's a scene, like, near the end, and he's, like... She's, like, oh, I've seen a few of your films and all that. And, like, the way you dispatch these bad guys and the way you always get the women. And, that, and he's, like, yes, yes. And he's, like, playing along to the role and stuff. Aye, a bit of a ladies' man. Yeah, and then, like, she's, like, oh, I can't wait to tell the girls at work that I was in the car with George Hamilton. <laughs> and he looks... Like really fucking like disgusted. Mm-hmm. He's been compared to uh, George Hamilton. Who's George Hamilton again? I have no fucking idea. I was like, sure, maybe I was expecting. Was it? Was it George Lazenby? Yeah, George Lazenby was uh, one like one of the Bond. Ah, they done like one film. Yeah, but yeah. um, like there's like the the fucking cast of characters are massive. Eh? Mm-hmm. Like fucking obviously you've got um like Adrian Barbeau and I think it's Bianca Jagger play like the two like fucking Lamborghini drivers and, mm-hmm. that, and they've always got the souped up PVC fucking Oh we like her yeah, jumpsuits. Mm-hmm. Um Sammy David Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean Martin play like when you get first set of them, like uh, Sammy Davis Jr. is at the bookies Aye. trying to get money on him and his uh, counterpart <laughs> and um, he puts 50 is it 50? no he puts 20 grand on them because they're 50 to 1 right so it's like a million back and yeah. then they use their plan is as fucking they're dressed up like fucking priests aye and, and that's how they can they get through everything but I mean, like the cast of the like with all the different like cannibals, like they say, like Terry Bradshaw was like an NFL player. He's and it plays like a total like like redneck hillbilly <laughs> and stuff like that. Um, oh fuck, who else was there? Oh fuck, I mean, I even put a name down. I think I did. But like everybody's like obviously trying to like win this race. I didn't yeah. think I, I didn't even think the actual prizes. Made aware enough for me what what they're actually racing for. Yeah, but obviously, um, like Farrah Fawcett's in there because she's like um, dealing with some a guy. It's like a oh, he's like a a local fucking like person that's trying to like stop the race and stuff like that. Right, and he he gets like fucking knocked over a ballot box. Right, with some caused by somebody like revving a car engine. Aye. 
and they phone an ambulance and it happens to be fucking Burt Reynolds and that, that shows up and they've got the gear and they're ah. like they're like the guy's not doing it like oh like what if he's dead and they're like they lift his leg up drop it and takes a water bottle and starts squishing him in the face and then squishing him in the dick <laughs> and then he's like right it's good uh, wake him up give him a drink give him an enema and then we're on our way mm-hmm. and then they end up Acquiring the services of fucking Farrah Fawcett. Yeah. With Professor Frankenstein, no Frankenstein, fucking Van, Van Helsing. Helsing. Mm-hmm. And he, like, in, like injects her. <laughs> so basically, it's like almost like kidnap. Aye. But it's just almost like a slap, like fucking. Played for laughs. Aye. Mm-hmm. Well, that's it. It was it's the fucking 80s and it's Burt Reynolds, so it's just light hearted. Yeah. And I mean, because fun. obviously he would have been playing off his fucking smoking the band and stuff at that point. Aye. You know, top drawer. Mm-hmm. So when you did watch it for the first time, was there any like proper surprising moments that you, you were surprised that they went this far, or surprised that they went to this length to do a gag in it, or? Um, try fucking. Because when I watched it, I was like, I found it harder to watch the first time than what I did the second time. Right. Like also, I'd watched it and I'd done my notes, and I, I'd noticed I didn't even. Didn't even finish my notes on it because when I went back and watched it the other day, mm-hmm. I only had like a couple of notes written down. Yeah, but um, also like the only highlights, like the only characters I was interested in at that point was uh, Van Helsing and Sammy Davis Jr. and Dean Martin's characters. Mm-hmm. Like they were the ones that were the standout to me. But then when I watched it the second time, I I noticed the whole them acquiring the ambulance and why they acquired it. Yeah. I was more like interested in like Jackie's like, involvement and stuff like that. I know. Did Sammy? I only remember very faint memories. I'm probably going to have to borrow the Blu-ray from you. But um, doesn't Sammy Davis Jr. get referred to as like a chocolate monk at one point? I honestly can't remember. There, there is a sheik in it as well who's taking part in this race. <laughs> And like he's fucking, he goes to like a, a McDonald's drive-through, and, right. and he orders all this stuff, and he he pays them the hand like hand in the girls like a fucking like emerald ring, <laughs> and that, and he's like I will come back for you, my lovely. Oh fuck! And, that, and like there's like playing in the stereotypes. Yeah. Um, is any cringe-worthy moments where it's like, just oh. Whether whether I think if it's just in the sense that that shit when you work nowadays or yeah, just I, I think it would I think it would get lambasted if it fucking come out new with some of the mm-hmm. stuff because obviously like it portrays like especially like, say, like the characters like fucking a like Adrian Barbo and that like the fucking tits are always fucking yeah pressed up and stuff like that. I'm trying um, to think if they're if they've actually had a stab at doing a a modern day equivalent. I know. Rat race, I don't half remember it. Remember when uh, uh, Ron Atkinson. Ron Atkinson, yeah. I've never seen it, John but John Cleese was in it. It was alright for what I remember. Wasn't there? I remember there being like TV specials, and wasn't like the guys for Jackass were Gumball, doing one. Gumball three thousand. Exactly. Now, yeah. Yeah, I mind seeing those, and it was pretty much the same thing. There's like them and sort of local celebrities, or yeah, I think Tony Hawk was doing it with folk. Oh and... yeah. I... And it's one of these things that's strangely entertaining because the fucking the amount of mischief they end up getting into, like, there's always, like, fucking police officers pulling them over or just to say, who's going to win the race if they, they find a cheeky shortcut? And yeah. 
like because obviously like, like they're all trying to like play the game of one like one ups mission up yeah up them and uh, I'm pretty sure there's a scene involving uh, Burt Reynolds' character and stuff and Sammy Davis Jr. and what the day is is they come across police and they say that two cars down for us there's going to be two guys dressed as priests and I reckon if he says that they fucking kidnap somebody or they're going to be kidnapping somebody but you need to arrest them and stuff like that so they're trying to do everything in their power to fucking stop them (laughs) eh? and like the fact that like towards the end like in the last like hike the 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 race ends on a foot race Right. Because there's a mass fucking pile-up. Ah, right, all the fucking cars get scrapped. Yeah. Hmm. Uh, one of the actual first things I noticed when I first watched the film was that it was presented by Golden Harvest. Yes, aye. You got Raymond logo, Chow. Yeah, because you got the Golden Harvest logo and all that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, don't, I don't know if the second one had it or not, I can't remember. Aye. But it reminded me last year watching like Project A and stuff like that. No Project A. Uh, Police uh, Stories. Yeah, Police Story. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's see, what else? I was going to say, any other notes? Um, um, as I was saying, like, I like, was a massive fan of the fucking sequel when I was younger. Like, I'm obviously going to watch it and see if it still... Holds up. Yeah, because I, I, I know there is some different characters in it, I think... I think it's um, I think Frank Sinatra's in the second oh, one, all right. but I don't think Dean Martin is. Yeah. Um. Obviously, it's still Burt Reynolds and Dom DeLuise. Yes. Um, Jackie Chan's with fucking Roger Moore and Richard Keel. All right. Okay. Um. And I can't remember fucking who else, but mm-hmm. I might have to go and watch it and think about it. Totally. Um, and that's actually most of it. Like, I was like, what doing like who steals it? And like for me, I think yeah. it's fucking uh, Van Helsing. Eh? Yeah. Like it just seems like the way his like mannerisms go. Like he's always seems drunk. He's always drugging himself. Like mm-hmm. at any point he comes across somebody, he always offers them a fucking injection. <laughs> and then when they decline it, he injects himself. Aye, man. Um, just in my head, I'm picturing. Is it Marty Feldman? For like nah, young Frankenstein. Not, that's, that's who I first thought it was. And then when I went and done all this stuff, it was like something called Jackie Lamb. Because immediately when I seen the eyes, I was like, that's fucking Marty Feldman. It has to be. Ah, that's one but picture in my that's head. Not, but... That's not Marty Feldman at all. That's fucking. <laughs> oh man, that's, that's a film I've not seen in fucking ages either. Aye. It's a good one. Um, yeah. uh, did you take any information like budget, box office, and that for uh, it? Yeah, I've got some. Um, I couldn't find the budget for it at all. Yeah. Um, like, when I went and typed on Google and stuff like that, there wasn't a, a budget, it was just a box office. So it mm. said box office, it took $72 million. Decent. I reckon if that's overall or just yeah. domestic. Yeah. But that's a fair bit of coin. Yeah. Um, trivia. The film was originally booked as an action film with Stephen McQueen. Ah. But due to his untimely death, um, they changed it and they cast Burt Reynolds in it and it was changed to a comedy. Aye. So it was going to be like a dark like action thriller uh, sort oh, of thing. It must have been like post-Smoking the Bandit, I guess. Yeah, must have been. Mm-hmm. Um, Burt Reynolds became the highest paid actor at that time by making $5 million in four weeks' work. Fuck. <laughs> 
Um, and the the highway patrolman that pulls Adrian Barbeau's character over at the, at the start yeah. is Burt Reynolds standing. Ah, it's like a part. It's like a, like a, sim, a similarity. I'd probably need like to go a body back double. And, yeah, yeah. I'd probably need to go back and check just to kind of notice the difference. Yeah. Eh, yeah, but I think that's actually that's quite a, a short one. Managed to rattle through my notes quicker than what I did. Yeah, well, that's, I've, I've not taken too mm. much for the howling, but there's still there's a lot to talk about. Yeah. Um, so the Howling, directed by Joe Dante, written by uh, Gary Bradner, who wrote the novel, uh, John Sayles and uh, Terence H. Winkless done the screenplay. This film was originally released in UK cinemas on the fourteenth of May, nineteen eighty-one. The film stars D. Wallace as Karen White, Patrick McNee as Doctor George Wag- Wagner, uh, Dennis Duggan as Chris. Halloran, Christopher Stone as R. William Bell Neal. Well, aye, they described him Bell. Uh, Belinda Belaski as Terry Fisher. Kevin McCarthy as Fred Francis. John Carradine as Ernie, Erie Kenton. Slim Pickens as Sam Newfield. And Elizabeth Brooks as Marsha Quist. And of course, sorry. Um, Robert Picardo as Eddie mm. and of course Dick Miller as that guy in the bookstore yeah good old Dick Miller eh? mm-hmm. so the film uh, the plot after a bizarre and near deadly encounter with a serial killer a television newswoman is sent to a remote mountain resort whose residents may not be what they seem dum 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 uh, this was a first time watch for me yeah I'm the same I've only ever watched it once Mm-hmm. And that's it. The the fucking whole reason we we'd sniff it out in the first place is Joe Danny. Exactly. So, and to me, it feels like a fucking uh, Hammer horror film for like back in the day, like a woman being terrorized by werewolves, man with silver bullets coming to the rescue. And to be honest, it was, it was an alright film. Yeah. Uh, to me, it's is like a proper sci-fi uh, B movie movie in a sense. Because there's, there's like questionable acting. Yeah. Uh, there's some stomach churning uh, physical effects. Mm. Uh, there, there's some full frontal nudity. And uh, last but not least, is fucking Dick fucking Miller. Yeah. I had I got a wee um, a wee vibe of uh, American movie from London. Yes. Now, when I looked at the trivia, I think they were either released. I Same think, year. Yeah. Because they had Rick Baker was going to do the special effects for The Howling and he got taken off the project because they needed him for An American Werewolf in London and he left his assistant to do The Howling. Yeah. And obviously both of them have really graphic uh, transformation yeah. sequences and it is practical effects. Yeah. Now, um, the ones for this film looks a lot, lot rougher. Yeah. But... This is like early Joe Dante. And then you have John Landis, isn't it? Yeah, I was John going to say John done, Hughes, but it's not. John Landis but I feel John Landis was peaking. Yeah. Ah, he would, yeah, I imagine his budget. Yeah, it would have been a lot bigger. Yes, because the, the budget to this one was uh, quite quite slight. Ah. Um, but ah, the film opens, it's like... Obviously, Dee Wallace's character, Karen... Yeah, she plays like a TV reporter or something. Uh, and she's kind of doing like an undercover story. 
where she's been getting stalked by uh, Robert Picardo's character, uh, Eddie. And they agree to meet at uh, like a wee porno theatre. Yeah. Or it's like uh, the back of like a... Convenient that a porno theatre plays in fucking American movie from London. Exactly. Well. It's almost like a clashy fucking... Aye. Like, it's, it's almost like a... a this one that's kind of like a like a photo booth where they put a couple a penny in to get in the room and they watch like a dirty movie yeah. but he's in the room already and it's funny because I, I normally recognise uh, Robert Picardo because he's like a regular in um, Joe Dante films much like Dick Miller but this one is is unrecognisable mainly because he's under like prosthetics for yeah. a lot of it because yeah. he's kind of like a werewolf and also kind of like an undead werewolf for part of it yeah so aye that opening sequence is it's kind of terrifying because she thinks that she just locked in a room with a pervert but mm. he's actually transforming behind her to kind of show his true image mm. and then the fucking trigger happy polar show up and fucking riddle him with bullets yeah um obviously like I think I watched it at the tail end of last year because I had a, like a UK, well, a Blu-ray re-release. Yeah. Now, I didn't recognise the label that put it out. Can't remember. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like uh, Arrow or nah, I don't think it was Studio Arrow. Canal or something, but it was uh, it's good that it's still being made available. Yeah, because I'm pretty sure it was, um, was I picked it up on my birthday, I think, because um, what's his name? Like Stuart uh, Sue McPherson was... Yes continuously talking about it yes he did highlight it quite a lot on twitter and i do remember was it a steelbook that had kind of like the original poster right where it's like claws tearing through a yeah, screen yeah i think he got the steelbook one and i just opted for the standard mm-hmm. and that was it one of my big questions going into it was how good are the practical effects going to be mm. and i had always known about the film like my impression of the film was that a newswoman went to a small mountain town and all the residents turn out to be werewolves and it kind of is that in some way I, yeah. I expected it differently I thought she was going to go there to report something and then get trapped this one's more like you've had a traumatic experience go to my cabin in the woods yeah. nothing will go wrong I'm actually just feeding you to a cult of werewolves <laughs> and you highlight that great sequence where they're getting to meet the locals and they're all at like a like a barbecue on the beach and they're all a bit weird. And like, there's an old boy. I think this one, Slim Pickens, is trying to throw himself on the fire because yeah. he just can't handle it anymore. And of these, just a bit weird. And there's that chick, Marsha, who's cutting a boot in black leather, who <laughs> seems a little bit, a little bit weird. And the laugh was, oh, she's just a nymphomaniac. Forget about her and her Tom Atkins knockoff boyfriend. <laughs> like a millisecond, I thought, it's him. <laughs> and then I was like, it's not! Oh, <laughs> uh, I reckon if it was Tom Atkins, I reckon it would peak a bit more for me. Exactly, fucking Uncle Tom shows up. Yeah. Like, I all of a sudden just imagine in an alternative universe, it's fucking um, Jamie Lee Curtis and Tom Atkins. Oh, no. Like, the folk couple, now they're in the fucking howling. It's like, oh man, I just made this film better. Stop it, stop it, just concentrate on what you've got. <laughs> and Dee Wallace is alright. I've never really recognise her from anything else other than E.T. I was going to say the mum for E.T. right she was in she was in the the Frighteners Michael J. Fox oh aye she played the oh 
for who is it? Who is it? Michael J. Fox was like looking for. She was like a relative of this fucking ghost thing or something. Right. Like that. Okay. Aye, because that, that was last year we covered Frighteners. Yeah, I'm trying to think what else that she was For in. For the 90s season, I think, actually. Mm, I'm trying to think what else that she was in that I can remember. But it's always, I think she's always going to be noticed for E.T. Yeah. Aye. Nah, I never knew that was her. I, I'd yeah. rig, I'd, the name rang a bell, but I yeah. couldn't have told you what it was for, but it must have been E.T. So, obviously, some of the characters in this film, you've got um, Karen and her partner. Uh, but it's also like a, the couple from the TV station, where it's like Chris and Terry, mm. who also have like an interest in her. Um, but it's only when they kind of realise that she's in trouble through there, when they realise everyone's fucking werewolves. And fucking Bill goes missing, because he starts finally being, what is it, seduced by Marsha. Mm. <laughs> it's like, that, that thing where it's like, no, I can't. And then they're at a fucking campfire and she's stripping off and he's just... They just fucking more or less turn into a pair of dugs going at it. But that was after, because I think... Aye, there's an attempt where she tries to seduce him but scratches him. Mm-hmm. And that eventually is what turns him. They, they turn into werewolves ah. through that sequence. And I mean, it's not bad. There's... I'll... I'll I think it's known that this film was shot on a really low budget. Yeah. It's I think the budget was 1.5 million. So they had to use a lot of alternative effects to kind of yeah. put across the image. Like I think the shots of Bill and Marsha, uh, it, was, it was almost just like shadows cast on a wall. Mm. Uh, so it was just like puppets doing an animation for the transformation just because it's cheaper to shoot it that Aye. way. But it's they, they must have put all the money into fucking Eddie's transformation because that's uh, nasty. And even the practical effects were weird. It's kind of like a weird bubbling effect. Like big parts of the face would just blow up and then shrink down. And then his eyes would get all weird. And it is, as I said earlier, stomach churning because mm. it's just sick looking. With his face all going in and out. It's like a, also like a thing for the Kung Fu Hustle where... The neck kind of turns into like the big toad. Uh, yeah. That bit swells up and goes down. And it's just the effect where Eddie talks about if she wants a peace of mind and he fucking reaches into his head, pulls out the fucking bullet and hands it to her. Like, eh. it was It was a fun, I guess it was a fun watch. I, I, if I had to like, rate it on stars, I would probably say it was like a 6 out of 10. Mm. Where it, was, it was above average, but... I wouldn't run I, out and buy myself a copy. Yeah, I think like I would think I still prefer American movie from London. Uh, yes, I that. And I mean, I'm still I still want to see Silver Bullet. Right. Which is a, it's based on the Stephen King novel. Okay. It's got a, like Gary Busey's in it, and I think Corey Feldman. Ah. That might be decent. Um, but really, the moments in this film that I re- that really peaked for me is when like Dick Miller showed up because when watching yeah. it I kind of thought is this maybe is this too early for Dick Miller maybe he didn't I show up in was like, I, I was fully expecting like, Dick Miller's character to be just like a like a wee casual like, mm-hmm. cameo sort of thing because that's what normally is exactly we throw away role like yeah. sure he got beat roles when it comes to things like gremlins yeah but this one he was just a bookseller yeah. And I had a book about everything. It was like books about all the weird and wonderful things in the world. And he was sitting helping him, kind of helping him find more information on werewolves. And it gives you that bit, the exhibition where 
uh, they find uh, like a tray of silver bullets. And it's like, oh, some asshole made me order them in and he never came to collect them. And that becomes an important fucking part of the story later on when uh, I think it's uh, Chris discovers that uh, Karen's been played by werewolves so he fucking grabs the bullets and you have Dick go, whoa, 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 I need to get them checked by a jeweler. Like he wanted the true value of the bullets and the guy's like, just fucking charge me. Because he throws some bills at him. And he said, if there's any mare, you just fucking charge it to my cards. Because Dick's just there to make a quick buck. And he's got that great line, he's like, hey, he's like, I don't give a fuck about what you're on about. I'm just here to sell books. Are you buying books? And he's like, yeah, we're buying books. Because like, I think they asked him, do you believe it? And he's like, I don't care. I'm, I'm, doing, I'm running a business here. I'll believe it if it'll make you buy the fucking book. And it was just great. He just shows up, chews the scenery, leaves, yeah. he comes back once more when they've got that gag where they're running back for the bullets but he just this guy just looks pissed off about the world doesn't give a fuck because it's quite a serious film and yeah. he's like this slight bit of comic relief and it's just things like that I fucking love when you have these wee roles yeah but it is brilliant the, the effects because all the werewolves are just dead braggy because they just think you can't fucking kill us. And it's when Chris starts firing them with silver bullets, the fucking shock on their face, mm. like silver actually works. They have legitimate silver bullets. And I thought, yes, this is brilliant because they all start fucking shit. Even like the sheriff, like everyone in the town is a fucking werewolf. That's, that's the fucking thing. So when they do that and they actually half-heartedly manage to get out because, um, Terry gets it. She's she's one of these ones where she's fucking pinned in. She has to use a fucking axe to chop the hand off a fucking werewolf to escape because they're busting through the walls of this this. I think it was like Marsha's Marsha's shack. Mm. And I'm it's, kind of also like interested to see like if John Landis and fucking Joe Dante had like they've sat down and pitched their idea, their film, yeah. uh, and seen... Trying like, to cross lines. Yeah, because obviously in Escape, Escape in um, American Wolf in London, yeah. like, the, like the village people kind of play on the knowledge that they didn't can, but, but ultimately they do. Yes. And like, I wonder if, uh, maybe John, John Lannis would have thought, I wonder if I could pull the trigger on this mm-hmm. instead of fucking Joe doing it. Exactly, and that's it. When you look at which ones stood like last night, like, stood the test of time. Uh, An American Werewolf in London is held in higher regard than yeah. than the Howling. And even just last week, they announced Arrow's doing a, yeah, a souped-up yeah, well, special I've, edition. I've already pre-ordered that, and the Nightbreed. Nightbreed, one. yeah. Must yeah. yeah. for many years. because uh, that's it. They do drop the knowledge of werewolves in um, the Howling, where they start talking about. Uh, something like, like Night Blossom or Wolf's Bane and uh. they kind of talk about like Wolfman mythology and when looking for the trivia they do have lots and lots of Wolfman references mm. like they have pictures of the original horror actors uh, Hammer horror actors in the background of an office and they kind of just drop all these wee links there's character names that play back to characters of the old black and white movies yeah so Joe Dante's obviously done his research, or he's been a fucking fan of like werewolf movies yeah. since the fucking word go. But the the score, the soundtrack to it 
was quite interesting. There was like some heavy like organ, like Phantom and Opera, heavy organ shit going on, and actually plays quite well. Mm. I quite liked it, just for like the more intense moments. And it's I'm just picturing images of D. Wallace running for her fucking life through the woods with this fucking heavy organ music playing behind her. Yeah, and it just works really well. And I mean, for the running time, it's ninety minutes. Yeah, ninety minutes. So it is fucking. Tight. It, it's not at any point where it feels like it, it's it's running too long. Yeah. But whereas it's one of these films where rewatchability, I'm like maybe. Yeah. If it's like, if there's nothing else on telly and it's on. Exactly. If if I'm if we're having to look at some werewolf stuff, sure I would look at it again. But yeah. to be honest, I know I know Arrow have the Helen too. Right. I I've never look to see if the phone's even remotely any good. Well, that's it. They never stopped it. Fucking, um, The Howling 2. I looked at the franchise. Is there only three or four? You've got Howling 2, uh, Sturba, Werewolf Bitch is the full title. That was 85. Then, there are Marsupials, The Howling 3, from 1987. Howling 4, The Original Nightmare, 1988. Howling 5, The Rebirth, from 1989, Howlin' 6, The Freaks, from 1991, Howlin', A New Moon Rises, 1995, and finally, The Howlin', Reborn, 2011. Oh, that's some straight-to-DVD shit. Yep, uh, let's see, out of those, one, two, four of them were straight-to-video. straight to, straight to video. Uh. So, and I was going to go to the effort of looking at all the casts, Christopher Lee is in The Howling too, but other than that, I think. Yeah, there's not really anybody remotely interesting. So, but fuck, they obviously decided to fucking ride the wave with The Howling. Like, the offer that they obviously written the books to begin with started doing the screenplays of the films as well. Mm. So, but to be honest, it was fine. It was Aye. totally something to write home about. It was... And it is, it is one of these things I've always kind of wanted to watch. Yeah, because so. it's a, a tetsy fucking tetsy box with the Joe Dante films, at least. Exactly. It's good to kind of like check that one off because it always looks like one of those ones that could be really interesting. Yeah. And of course, he hit his stride further on. Was it Gremlins was his next film, was it? I think it could have been. So, yeah. and that's, so this was obviously definitely post uh, pre Gremlins. So, and it even featured like a cheeky uh, Roger Corman cameo. Because ah. they talk about uh, Joe Dante being one of like the prodigies of Roger Corman, who used to do all these sort of uh, schlocky horror films. And there's a sequence where, at the start of the film, where Dee Wallace is in a telephone booth, and there's a man waiting outside to get in, and she thinks it's Eddie. Mm. Uh, but it's actually Roger Corman just waiting to use the phone after her. <sighs> so, it's just like, his men are showing up for a quick cameo. Yeah. It's quite good. Um the budget, as I said, one point five million. Yeah. Uh, domestic. That was the only figure they had. It pulled in seventeen point nine million dollars. That's not bad, like. Exactly, based on the budget, that was that's mm. that's fine. It's, it's no uh, carnival run. I wonder if. Uh, I wonder if American Murder for London was like released the same time or around the same like month or something. Oh, fuck knows, but. I can imagine it making a lot more bank. Yeah. And if you had to ask me who stole the film, I'd say Dick Miller. 
Yeah. Like the the guy steals several Dante films really. Um, yeah, he's rolling fucking Gremlins is always fun. Trash oh, man and the burbs. Exactly. Aye. It it just it's just one of these things that just makes that film instantly gives it an extra star if he fucking shows up. Yeah. And especially if he's just a cheeky cunt in it as well. Yeah. So, um, trivia: Joe Dante, uh, director Joe Dante, and screenwriter John Sayles had previously collaborated uh, about three years before on uh, *Piranha* from 1978. You forget he done *Piranha*. And in those capacities, with Sayles taking a role in the director's uh, later movie *Matinee*. Showed up for that one as well. I've not seen that film in years. Dick Miller's character in this film is named uh, Walter Paisley, as he was in a, a Bucket of Blood, the film from 1959, which was directed directed by Roger Corman. So he's playing yeah. the same character from that film. And then it goes on to mention that Corman had a famous cameo as the man in the phone booth. Yeah. But, yeah. So that's it. I mean, when it comes to next time on films and swearing, yeah. it is 1980. And we are going to be talking about Conan the Barbarian, as decided on our Twitter poll. So you can look forward to that review coming shortly. Uh, but other than that, if you want to follow us on social media, it is at FAS Podcast. That is how you find us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. Yeah. Mike, you got any? Last notes, anything else to say before we sign off? Um, always check the booths and porn cinemas. <laughs> True. That's it. Well, that's it. You do want to sit down a sticky seat. Aye. But it's fine. We're, we're like, we're, we've now gotten past like the magic mics and the, the films and the, the fucking Fifty Shade films. Seats are now clean again. It's safe to sit down, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah. And other than that, fuck off and tune in next week.